Welcome back to another episode of Diggity Podcast. Uh, we have a very, very special show today. Uh, we are joined by the lovely, lovely Holden. Holden McNeely from Wizard and the Bruiser in page seven. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And then uh, I still have Nick with me, too. He's here. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. I'm the but least I... important thing of this yeah, episode, right, and I, I fucking right, get that. Right now, neither of us matter. Uh, this is entirely focused on Holden. Uh, I'm sure no pressure, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, it's all good. I got this. I'll keep the ball up in the air, you know. Uh, <laughs> For Holden, so, there's no pressure. For, right, us, for us, we have to make sure pressure. we don't make... Oh, I'm judging well, the yeah. shit out of you guys right Absolutely now. Like, this is fair. everything you say, everything, <laughs> everything in your backgrounds, all of it. Just the constant, constantly taking notes, especially the plethora of Funko Pops I'm seeing. Oh, God. I know. I, that's one thing I need to get out of the background. It was something I collected for a long time, and I'm, like, in the process of selling them all. And, yeah, somebody always comments on it, though. It's like, <laughs> hey, you got a lot of... A lot of Funkos back there. And I want to do an judgment. episode on Funkos. I want to do. I want to get to the bottom of this Funko Pop uh, craze. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you're so like you got Funko Pop chic going on. Holden's got nice, very uh, nice white. Nothing. House chic. I've got nothing chic. Just clear empty. No, I was just explaining to them. I I'm literally uh, been delegated to the uh, uh, space between my bathroom and my bedroom in the uh, back of the apartment as my daughter, my baby, has taken over the uh, what used to be my office, my fucking or my fucking <laughs> cool ass dude bro hangout space. <laughs> It's more than a man cave. It was like a fucking. It was a playa's <laughs> fantasy in there. But uh, now yeah. it's uh, now I'm just back in the now I'm back in the bedroom. But still, so you guys are doing way better. Even you know Funko Pops and all, please. Yeah, but I have like in the basement smoked an entire carton of Marlboro Reds. <laughs> yeah. chic going on dingy shit floor. It's cool though, man. It's you cool. have cool. what. I definitely would have been like super intimidated, but wanted to be your friend really bad when I was like in high school. You know what I mean? Like I would have oh, been like, dude, <laughs> we got to fucking hang out. You were like that guy that like was really in, you know, the, from your base in your background, like that dude who was like super into like tool and Bill Hicks. And like, we just wanted so bad to make him think we, we were cool. And like, it always failed, you know, cause you're we trying too hard. No, I was you the, I was like the that. nerdy. <laughs> no, I was like the nerdy weird kid. Who got bullied a fuck ton. So when I was like 17, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get my last name tattooed on my back. And everyone's oh. like, that sucks and you suck. And I'm like, now I have to get a face tattoo to counteract the nah. shitty back and back tattoo. Come on, guys. I smoke cigarettes. Marble Reds even. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm cowboy cool, killers. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm cool. Uh, so fuck. just in case somehow someone knows who we are but doesn't know who you are. Can you give just a, a little bit of a background on on who you are, what you do, uh, and just kind of what's going on? I mean, Nick and I are very familiar with it. We've listened to you for <laughs> years now. But for, for the people listening here, uh, you want to give a little bit of an explanation? Yeah, I'm going to start with the present and go backwards. So currently, uh, I do two podcasts on the last podcast network, and those are Wizard and the Bruiser and Page 7. Wizard and the Bruiser is a research-based um, kind of nerd history podcast, or essentially, we like to say we just like take any fandom, anything that has a fandom, and try to just really understand the, um, the history of the whole thing and like why people love it so much, which... 
ranges from anything from, you know, anime shows or comic books or video games. We literally just did Animorphs, which was fascinating. Anything <laughs> also anything that really like tickles that nostalgia uh, little hit, you know, that's something that we all just remember and, and uh, want to take a trip back to that. Also, we like to we like to cover as much as possible. And sometimes we cover evil stuff, though. We've done like EA and yeah. uh, Activision, <laughs> you know, and that's fun, too. Or we've covered something that failed and didn't catch that fandom like the Virtual Boy. So, you know, we're kind of all over the place, but um, definitely stay within that those kind of lines. And then page seven is a more current weekly pop culture po- uh, podcast that I do with uh, my co-host Jackie and MJ. And uh, that's more like we're too old for this shit, but we're going to talk about it anyway <laughs> kind of a thing. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And then outside of that, um, I have a Twitch stream, t- uh, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. And I do weekly streams with uh, Jackie. I do uh, Friday just drunken shenanigan stream. I do gaming streams, do different, different, all different types of stuff uh, on there. Uh, this thing called the Money Pit, which is kind of like a laughing type thing I do with a bunch of friends and we play Jackbox, ga- Jackbox games and stuff like that. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And those are kind of my, my big things currently. And then before that, uh, I did a one of of those raunchy bunch of uh, gross comedians in a room <laughs> podcast called uh, Round Table of Gentlemen. That's kind of where all this stuff came from uh, with uh, uh, a bunch of my friends, Jackie, Marcus from Last Podcast on the Left, Ben Kissel from Last Podcast on the Left, um, Kevin Barnett, rest in peace, uh, Ed Larson, who does the brighter side on Last Podcast Network. And we started doing that in a basement of a Mexican food restaurant slash a small comedy stage called The Creek in the Cave. And uh, that's where like yeah, we sort of were doing, you know, and even before that, I was doing, I did a pod, one podcast before that even. And so we're really going back to the beginning of all of this stuff, you know, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And we said a bunch of cancelable shit for sure. And uh, <laughs> I kind of love that it still exists and you can still find it on like Spotify and stuff. I mean, because you, you have a document of me and all my friends trying to get big doing comedy in New York City all through our 20s. And yeah. I think that's like a really special thing. Besides that, um, it's kind of ending or going on an indefinite hiatus. But uh, a member of the band The Cowman, you can check us out on Spotify. We're uh, working on one final EP together. Um, that was uh, I've since moved out to L.A. Um, through all the pandemic and uh, getting my wife pregnant and all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> kind of needed some more space and this, that and the other and wanted to be closer to some of the uh my other co-workers out here so uh that's slowing down but the cowman as well i think that pretty much covers all the bullshit and then um sketch comedy group murder fist was like kind of what i yeah. moved to new york to do which is also kind of funny because you know one of my big pieces of, piece of advice uh, just to jump into it immediately is like um just learn how to pivot because i definitely went to new york city with a sketch comedy group called murder fist with the single only uh, goal of getting a show on television. And we got close. Like, actually, we got close. But uh, we it obviously didn't happen. And uh, it was all this other stuff I was doing on the side almost as a whatever hobby or whatever that ended up being, like, the most lucrative shit. So just, like... And, and it's uh, more fulfilling than, I think, some of the things I wanted. Like, a writing job, whereas I hate 9 to 5. So I don't know why I really wanted to be on a writing staff. And I still probably <laughs> would. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it'd be cool to do. But I love having my own schedule. I love... That's one of the best things about podcasting and streaming and everything is just, like, I totally get to, like, set my 
you know, schedule in my week and I don't really have anybody to answer to because anybody who's technically my boss are my friends and I don't have like an executive to talk to. <laughs> I mean, there is like Joe Twitch, I guess, but they don't really mess with me. I'm kind of under the radar at this point. Um, I have like just enough people to make a living off of it, but like not enough yeah. for them to realize how uh, bad I am for the network. So uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I want to stay at this point, like just under the clouds and the little like uh, airplane. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so I, I mean, obviously you covered a lot of, of some of the like smaller questions that we had ready here. So, but like what, what really kind of started your, your role in improv comedy? Like what, what really got murder fist going? Uh, actually through fa failure, big time. So I was kicked out of acting school uh, at the end of my sophomore year of college. I had always really preferred and loved doing comedy. Um, when I was in high school, yeah, I was big into improv and stuff, um, uh, like in my theater class or whatever. And uh, there was actually a, a one sketch comedy group in Charlotte, North Carolina. They had the coolest situation, especially for a high school kid. They, um, it was BYOB. They just put a bunch of couches in this shitty little room. And every Friday and Saturday <laughs> night, they would do two shows a night. Every other week, they would switch up the show. They would write a new show, uh, which I think is what inspired me later with Murder Fist to do a show of new material every month as opposed to recycling the same shit over and over again, which I feel like is a, a, a definitely a pitfall for a lot of um, groups who get into the game. They get one or two sketches that work really well, and then they just keep doing the same shit. It's like that sad stand-up comedian who's doing the same fucking bits about <laughs> Ronald Reagan 10 years later. But uh yeah, they they it was called the Perch. It was so cool. I went every you know, I went every week they would switch out uh, to new material. I would go and see the new show and just loved it and I yeah, we we could just chain smoke cigarettes and there was just a yeah. filthy little awesome little punk establishment and I loved that and that definitely came into play. Uh, in college later when I got uh, kicked out of acting school, again, learning to pivot, I, I went into... I. One of the funny things, I think this has changed for uh, gen in general for people trying to get into comedy and stuff, but I, I hear this a lot and I had the same thing where like, oh, you can't just like go be a stand-up. Like, what do you mean? You can't just like <laughs> do comedy. You have to like, I don't know, you know, it just... It, it not clicking that it's something you can just go pursue and like that there's actually like a pathway to that and and not realizing that that it's it's very possible to just start doing comedy um so i was like oh i need to like become this like serious actor and like learn you know stanislavski <laughs> and like do that you know this is the way to do it like the respectable way and just struggled obviously really hard with that in college um there w wasn't a very good place for like character acting and um, the kind of stuff I could bring to performance, you know, and comedy. There wasn't a lot of space for that. It was very serious, leading man, you know, uh, Chekhov shit, you know, and I just yeah. was not clicking <laughs> with my professors at all. I've always had issues with authority. I've always had, you know, I feel like they smell it on me. I feel like they they don't like me before I can even like not like them. Like every like weed you out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they know from the second because I worked a bunch of temp jobs and shit in New York City and like. I worked a lot of office st stuff and like the supervisor always liked me, wanted a little color in the office. Somebody, Oh, he has an interesting <laughs> kind of passion and he's funny, but like that main boss always hated me every single place I went. And so it'd be the supervisor sticking up for me being like, he's great. Just give him another shot. You know what I mean? But of course I was also pretending to work most of the time at all these jobs and like not actually <laughs> do. I was like a terrible employee, but uh, regardless, I uh, got kicked out of acting school 
And that same night, I had just just coincidence had uh, said yes to this guy, uh, John Moreno, who, who asked me to put on an improv show with him and a couple other people. And I literally like suffered the worst failure up to that point in my life. And then that night I went on stage with these people and fucking crushed and just like destroyed. And it was such a eureka moment. It was just like, oh, this is what I should have been doing. So I finished out school with a BA in theater um, as opposed to BFA in acting. And all that time I was putting up sketch comedy shows with John and Ed Larson and Henry Zabrowski and uh, Jackie later when she got there, uh, who I do the podcast with now. Um, and this whole crew of people, uh, really funny people that I had just kind of, me and my buddy John had sort of just formed together like uh, Voltron in this kind of on the outskirts of the theater school. And we were doing shows in the parking lot of my apartment complex. We, uh, not long after that, we got a regular slot at the only gay bar in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, we, I went to FSU, Florida state university and, uh, called brothers. And it was fucking nasty. This place. I loved it. It was so <laughs> gross. We would go in on Saturdays mornings to do like a dress rehearsal. And it was like, everyone's hung over and the whole place yeah. just reeked of like, <laughs> the last night's booze and vomit and fuck it. You know what I mean? They'd just be like, it was just so crazy. And like, uh, I loved it so much. And we just started doing regular shows there and we built and built a really, uh, rabid audience for what we were doing. And it was all outside of the theater school. And it just felt so like, Oh, we're already like doing the thing. I mean, I'm glad I went to college because I met everybody that I ended up moving to New York with and like pursuing all this stuff with. But at the same time, it's like almost hard for me to recommend it because I'm like, if you want to do this, just go do the thing and you'll meet the people like go to New York or go, right. you know, go to the bit, go to a big city where there's like a scene and just like start doing it. You don't necessarily, you know, you don't need a degree for this shit, you know, but the cool thing about college is it kind of puts on the training wheels and gives you a space to make a bunch of mistakes and part of your brains out and, <laughs> um, you know, meet a bunch of hopefully talented people that you can then create something with later. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of where it started. Then, um, moved to New York with all those guys. We made like a concerted effort. We all moved into the same area in Brooklyn. We, uh, we very quickly started putting uh, a show together. Uh, we first started out at this uh, club in Williamsburg, Brooklyn called Galapagos that has since closed down. I think they moved to a uh, uh, different part of the city, but still we got it. We got a regular gig there. Then we started performing regularly at the people's improv theater and uh, it all kind of just came, went from there. Uh, and then we started, you know, and what, one of the cool things for us about us in the comedy scene was we were like the only sketch comedy group that could do like any kind of show. And especially like we were like the one sketch comedy group that was in the mix outside of like UCB, the pit. And we were doing a lot of shows in like indie stand up rooms and like big stand up rooms and like meeting, you know, we were like that one sketch group that was like hanging with the stand up scene as well and making a name for ourselves, like kind of in all of the comedy scenes. And I think that's incredibly important to be like adaptable. Like we could get on stage and do a sketch, but like command the attention in the room, even in like a rowdy New York stand up room. Um, and, and like, pull it off in a way that like not other a lot of not, not a lot of other groups could and so through that we meet ben kissel um and uh marcus parks who was uh uh recording some stand-up shows around the city and was kind of had his own thing going um and then with them we started uh just do trying this dumb thing called podcast that we'd heard about they were like <laughs> oh it's like radio but you can just like do it 
And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that's kind of um, how the whole podcasting thing started was kind of like everything else, like sketch comedy was like, no one has to say yes to us doing this. We just get to do this and put this out and we don't need any, there's no authority, there's no executives, there's no, you know, because like we, as Murder Fist, we had meetings with Comedy Central. We had meetings with, you know, we did big showcase runs out in LA and stuff. And we got really close, like I said, but nothing quite came of it. But all that time, we're just putting out this show called Roundtable of Gentlemen. Every single week, we're meeting on Sundays and we're just doing this show for nobody. While that's going on, <laughs> Ben, Henry, and Marcus start doing They're all into horror shit. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, just anything kind of pertaining to like horror and serial killers and aliens and stuff. And they start doing a show based on that. And slowly that forms into, you know, the juggernaut that is last podcast on the left. This was all the side shit. That, I mean, if you were to ask That's Henry, it was like, insane, that was his, dude. that was just his like side thing. He was doing for funsies, <laughs> uh -huh. you know? And, and so it all kind of built up from there. And honestly, where's the bruiser came from murder fist falling apart, round table falling, not round table really just can't, it was a victim of, of a lot of people's success. And people just weren't started to not be able to be there on Sunday because they were, <laughs> had a writing job in LA, had an acting job in Canada, had something going on where like all of a sudden it was just like me, Marcus and Jackie, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Uh, which was fun, but yeah, it just wasn't exactly the thing anymore. And so as all that stuff was starting to kind of crumble away, I needed a new direction. And I was just like, dude, I'm just going to do what these fucking guys are doing over here with last podcast, but I'll just do it for nerd shit. And that's where was the bruiser came from as my co-host Jake Young, uh, who we met again. He was a stand up in New York City. He... Um, uh, was kind of coming off of his podcast that he was doing with Mike Lawrence called Nerd of Mouth. Uh, that was that was yep. falling away because Mike was moving to LA because uh, he's a very successful um, comedy writer and uh, stand up. So Jake was both of us were kind of at an impasse, and it was Marcus, kind of the Godfather, who was like, you know what, you two, you guys should do something <laughs> together and kind of push this together. And then I was like, well, if we're gonna do something. We got to do what you guys are doing, just straight up. We got to do research-based. People want to... You know, my first playwriting teacher uh, that I really loved, um, Mark Wheatley, he even said, like, when you go to see a play, people want to, like... Even in a play, people want to learn something. So, like, yeah. if you're going to write a play, whatever you're writing a play about, do your research. Do a lot of research. And, like, people love to be entertained. And, and in that entertainment, they want to be taught something to learn to walk away having learned something new and so i kind of held that with me all along but also just aped off of what my friends were getting so successful with and just that's how wizard and the bruiser started dude that's fucking insane so you went with the with wizard and the god damn that's like <laughs> i look from a lot of what you were saying like i look back at like my beginnings with a lot of the shit i was trying to do i wanted to be in a tough guy band so i was in a tough guy band but I'm not a tough guy. I'm very. <laughs> I, I like staying home and reading and playing video yeah. games and just chilling out. So I was like, all right, fuck this band bullshit. I'm done with that. I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> and now this is what I'm doing. Kind of, sort of. Not like you, obviously. But what was it about like that leap of faith for you? Like, I mean, because taking that jump, right? It's, it's intimidating for anybody. But for you like and all your friends what was it about like that leap of faith jump where you guys were just almost like fuck it like we will make our own path one uh -huh. way or another 
Like, yeah, I mean, we kind of felt that vibe from the very beginning because already with Murder Fist, we were sort of this thing on the outskirts of the theater program, like the uh, teachers at the faculty, like a lot of them didn't really like us or what we were doing because it was like outside of their curriculum and everything. And the fact that we were even making a little money off of it and stuff, I just think it kind of like stuck up their craw a little bit and doing like raunchy fucking offensive comedy yeah. in a gay <laughs> bar once a week, you know. Um, so that was already kind of there. But, um, you know, it kind of came out of necessity, though, I would say, because I mean, I'm thinking back on my essentially where I was at and like I couldn't get a writing job. I couldn't get uh, someone in a suit to say yes to me enough for me to get, you know, onto a staff or on, you know, to get a TV show, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, again, we got really close, but the climate changed. So when we got to New York, we were like, OK, if we just work our asses off, have the best sketch comedy show you can see in New York City, <clears throat> which arguably we were we accomplished. Then right. the industry will come. They will see what's going on, and we will get that green light, and we will get to at least make like a pilot or something, right? Mm -hmm. One of the problems was there were way too many people in the group. There were like at one point we had like fourteen, oh, even <laughs> pared down to like eight to ten. It was just way too many mouths to feed, so a lot harder to like DIY to the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. We would have had to have such a specific special situation of like Comedy Central or HBO or somebody being like, we want to give you guys a show. And then just like, that's it. Like a, a the state situation. But a the state situation is fucking rare. You know, I mean, right. those guys really hit, you know, struck gold by getting that opportunity that they got right out of NYU. Right. But we're looking at that and being like, oh, that's just the way to do it, right? Um, another big inspiration, too, was Mr. Show with Bob and David. And like, oh, they just like started this indie comedy scene in, in L.A. And, you know, people took notice and they got HBO came a knocking, right? But, yeah. excuse me, but um, the thing was about that was right when we got there, they were like, okay, yeah, so now it's all different. And now you need like a million views on a <laughs> three-minute YouTube video. Yeah. We're like, what? We thought all we had to do is work our asses off and be like the fucking hottest comedy group in New York City. Like, at, you know, uh, not to like to and horn too much, but I mean, at the very least, like we had people talking about us. People knew the fuck we were. We we like we were the one of the only groups that like weren't a UCB group that everybody at the UCB knew exactly who the fuck we were, you know, and we were just notorious of of like being able to get up and like rise, rise above kind of the general scene of improv sketch comedy uh right. and and be and just had like a thing and had a product and had like a, a a vibe that was just different from everybody else but like yeah it was so frustrating that every it, it all of a sudden was like yeah but you don't you didn't make this like viral thing that is impossible to um purposely make you know what right. i mean right. we're also yeah. seeing like other groups kind of fall backwards into like a viral video and then they all got like a huge shot. And then, of course, they all like failed at that shot because they didn't put all that time in. And not, yeah. not even to say that we would have definitely succeeded. But I mean, we definitely were in a position to at least tr do our present our you know product on like a larger scale. And then it just right. never quite happened. And but watching like. And, uh, you know, like the workaholics guys, you know, it was like, how do we just that's exactly what we want to do. And they got the shot because they figured out how to put it on YouTube in this specific yep. way or like funny or die or whatever. And it was so <laughs> frustrating, man. And like we tried I mean, we like made a bunch of, you know, everybody tried. Right. I mean, we made a bunch of web series and different things and, 
you know, went at it a bunch of different ways. Um, but it just, we just never really hit that in that specific way. And I think that really is what hurt our, our ability, right. To make something happen. So essentially around I it's 2016 was my like really dark year. Like I murder fist was falling apart. Half of my friends were like moving to LA or about to move to LA. Uh, everybody, you know, we all moved into the same area in Brooklyn and then slowly everybody started spreading out to different parts of the city. So it's kind of like if you don't live in New York or, or LA is kind of the same thing. Like if you don't like live in the same neighborhood, all of a sudden you might as well live three States away. Like you just yeah, never right. see yeah. those people. I ended up moving to Astoria Queens with my, at the time girlfriend, now wife, Lexi, further uh which further like kind of spaced me away from everything and everybody and just was at this impasse where like round table was going away i felt like all my friends were killing it and i was kind of being i was kind of feeling like left behind and then that's also just the year out of sheer desperation i tried a bunch of shit so i tried uh you know where's the bruiser and twitch but i also tried a bunch of weird stuff that no one will ever hear about i tried this weird app by the guys who created um uh, oh God, well, Vine and later that HQ trivia game. I tr- they, in between those two things, they created this app called Hype. And I was like one of the early, like I got in through a connection Henry set me up with. And I was like doing these h- videos for this app no one will ever know about called Hype, which is essentially <laughs> a way to do like live streaming on the go and like OBS, uh, open broadcast software kind of stuff, but like yeah, on your yeah. phone on the go in this like streamlined way. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. it was like almost there, but obviously it didn't quite take off. It was sort of like, but I, I was just shit like that. I was teaching comedy writing. I was literally just doing anything I could do to try to make money or like get some, make a name for myself outside of, you know, cause the whole time I'm working this nine to five job in fucking real estate insurance. And I'd been stuck there for like a few years. I was working temp jobs since I got to New York. I, I had different stints at different offices um, on a more permanent basis or, you know, uh, a more like full on hired basis. I uh, worked at Getty Images for a while, uh, you know, but in like accounting and I somehow found myself uh-huh. finding myself in accounting, even though like I hated accounting. <laughs> I, for a while, I was only doing hotel accounting jobs. And I was just like in these basements of hotels, fucking punch <laughs> crunching numbers. <laughs> Like just never seeing the light of day, just dep- it was so depressing. So out of sheer desperation, I just started do- just any time I didn't have that going on, I was just doing these fucking different experiments and things. And so I started doing Twitch with uh, Lexi. We did uh, uh, Lexi Loves Game Night, which was every like Sunday night. I think and, you know we played through. She played through all of Final Fantasy VII, which was my like favorite game from my childhood. And that's where the Twitch thing started. I was doing hype. I was teaching comedy. I was trying to put up shows different places i was uh doing um you know wizard and the bruiser and uh yeah it just uh, you know after a while i just, and directing a sketch comedy team as well at the pit and after a while i just sort of some stuff started taking off like the twitch thing it was the bruiser and we like created a patreon out of wizard and the bruiser and uh, over on twitch um uh things were starting to work out and i remember it actually you talk about the leap of faith so uh, right before Christmas break, I think twenty, yeah, twenty sixteen, my boss calls me in for like the annual whatever that shitty sit down you have to have. Where yeah, like yeah. most people love it because <laughs> they get like a bonus and a raise or whatever. But like I would, you know, for me it was always like here we go again. You know what I mean? Well, we're <laughs> noticing you don't do anything. You like 
kind of work here? Like what, you know what I mean? Like it's always have to just kind of deal, you know, every now and again, they're like, we're very happy with your work. I'm like, oh, you guys haven't been paying attention. Then you get like the, the bonus or the raise or whatever. So yeah, I get called in to like, we're not giving you a raise. Like we're, we're, um, you know, we're not happy with your performance. Um, and uh, so you can choose to either uh, step it up and get a lot of new responsibilities and we'll give you a raise and, you know, make this more of a serious like thing in your life or uh, uh, you have till March to uh, to uh, with the company. Right. And then the head boss called me and I think the next day he was a real fucker. And uh, uh, he called me in and was like, like really kind of gave it to me. He, he he's kind of guy if he was having a bad day, take you know, or if some higher up gave him hell, he would fucking take yeah. it off. Like it literally, yep. you would hear him on the phone with somebody, and he making him feel like a turd, like a total <laughs> fucking plebe piece of shit. And then he would get off the phone and would literally like call the same sad person in that he always takes the shit. You know, you would like watch oh, yeah. it happen right in front of, and then hear him just like lambast this person. It was so embarrassing. It was a very small office. Uh, so he called me in and kind of gave me the business and was like, when you get back in next week, um, we're going to sit down and everyone in the, in the room is going to like go around and uh, give you your new responsibilities and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, and I was like, okay. And then I left for this long weekend. All the time this is going on. So while Lexi and I are doing Lexi Loves Game Night on Twitch, uh, w- w- we're complaining about the couch that we have that we're sitting yep. on while we're playing the games. And we're like, this couch sucks. We need a new couch. And then eventually someone's like, hey, you know, if you just like put a PayPal link in the chat, like we'll <laughs> like we'd be happy to throw down for you to have a new couch. You've literally been entertaining us for an entire year. Uh, <laughs> playing these games like for hours every week uh you know we'll like I'm, i could toss you five bucks or whatever and i think that the new couch was like 600 bucks and we got it in like two streams and we we're like oh it's awesome yeah and and all that audience by the way and i think this is another big piece of advice is like dude just do everything and it'll all add up like our yeah. my audience was all roundtable people was all mm-hmm. fans from that show and i like and it was like 20 people, by the way. It wasn't like a lot of people, but like just enough people from that show allowed me to have enough of an audience starting out on Twitch to like build something, you know, and like yeah. get the ball yeah. rolling on a community over there. And so, you know, years and years of doing a show for no one for free, like still meant, you know, added up to something, you know. So even right. if you don't see it right away if you're consistent and you do it every single week and you do it at the exact same you know and you're just dedicated and consistent um it will probably it should pay off eventually you know right uh, i think it's, it's such an important thing to learn that like you can, if you're not seeing it right then and there like don't or don't worry about like one of the things i hate is like and forgive me if you guys did this at all but when people like launch their new podcast and then just like immediately launch a patreon it's <laughs> no, like we did not do that it's like <laughs> no. It always makes me. I'm like, dude, cart before the horse. Like, put the time yeah. in. Give the people. You have to give your blood sacrifice to the people. You have to like. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> have to give your time and energy and 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 show for free for at least a year. Is I think yep. it was after one year of Woods the Bruiser we did the Patreon, right? But like, yeah. you right. have to give it up at least a year, probably longer if you're just starting out. You know, was the bruiser? We already again had an audience because Jake put his time in with Nerd of Mouth, and I put my time in with Roundtable mm-hmm. Gentlemen, right? And right, so yeah. those two things combined added up to you know having a, 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 you know, albeit small, but like 
uh, listenership, right, from from right. the get-go with that. So, again, it wasn't just like we did that show for free for a year. We did that show for free for a year on top of 60 or whatever year, how many years it was of doing a show for free before we did that Patreon, you know? Yeah. Right. But uh, either way, we get the couch, going back to the Twitch stream, we get the couch. And I remember I was like, I had, I guess I had gone in after that long week and I was like, I'm done. I'm done in March, right? So I had like a certain amount of time, but essentially what I told myself was like, if you can raise up enough money by Twitch streaming from this point, essentially like right after I got back from Christmas break to March, if you can raise up the money for a gaming PC and a like full stream setup, you know, like the whatever, all the bells and whistles, the, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, then you don't, you will just pursue, you will take the leap of faith. You will just do Twitch and, you know, directing this house team and doing podcasts and like that's, you know what I mean? And that's it. You only do things pertaining to entertainment, comedy, blah, 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 on your own schedule, on your own time. And I got the money in like a month and a half. And like, sick. it was, it was like not that many streams. And it was some unbelievable people who stepped out and like random strangers. I got all teary eyed talking about this on my Twitch episode in Wizard yeah. uh, and the Bruiser, but literal strangers yeah. being like, I believe in you. And like, here's one guy I remember was like 500 bucks or something, which is like a third of what I need, right? It was like 600 bucks, 1600 for like a full gaming PC set with mics and all the bullshit, you know what I mean? And the camera and everything. And it was just like, I, I don't, I don't remember who I, what kills me is I don't think I have that stream like archived. I'll right. never, yeah. I don't remember the username that did that. And like, I'll always, but I'll always remember that gesture was like, yeah, right. Bl- mind blowing to me. It was a stranger from some random part of the country who I've never met in my entire life who had been listening to my podcast and all this mountain of work that a uh, content that I'd been creating up to this point that was like, dude, you got this and just fucking made it happen for me. And like, it was incredible. And that, that, that is kind of, yeah, so that's how I got to my leap of faith, and just, I've never had to look back. I mean, shit, I still think about, like, well, someday you actually might have to walk back into an office. <laughs> I would at least just hope that it would be, like, an office, uh, a media office that does, you right. know, and I'm there to do, like, live streaming and stuff, yeah. hopefully, at this point, <laughs> or and podcasts, but regardless, um, I love having the situation I have. I'm going to fight really hard to keep it. I love that, like, my only bosses are very good friends of mine that, you know, don't feel like bosses. I create my own schedule. I mean, even now I have a, a seven-month-old daughter. And because I work from home and have the schedule I have, I get to spend very solid quality time with her every single day for hours, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of dads who work nine-to-fives and have to travel for work, they don't get that uh, opportunity, you know. And right. I think that's sad. You know, so I, I, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing thing so far, but I also understand how like delicate and like amazing (laughs) it is. And so it's also like a constant fight to like, keep it, (laughs) never let it go. I really don't want to go back to a nine to five. I fucking hate (laughs) nine to five so much. We're on our way, hopefully running the fuck out of it. Cause after (laughs) I know Brody and I were both talking cause I'll call him when I'm at work and shit. And I know it's your show, Brody. I'm not taking over, I promise. No, but I, absolutely. I, I have to get this out of the way. But I, I was driving. That's what I do. I'm basically Philip J. Fry for a mechanic company, which is fine right now. But <laughs> so I was listening to the Twitch episode and I was like, holy fucking shit. Like hearing your story and hearing like how you got during that episode. I, I, me and Brody were talking. I'm like, did you hear that episode? He's like, yeah, dude. I'm like, 
we need to just fucking start our own shit. And like that's how <laughs> that's like awesome. that's we've amazing. been we've been podcasting, but like then the idea for our own like hub essentially came mm-hmm. to be, and I was like, hell yeah, like fuck everyone else, we're doing our own shit, we're getting our friends together. That episode is the one that really like oh, stuck that's out. Amazing, yeah. and I think like, it's so important, yeah. yeah, for people to hear. It goes all the way back to like why I went into like serious acting school instead of just fucking right. going to New York and doing stand up. Like, do stop worrying about the things that involve some higher up saying yes, giving you a green light to just be able to do it and start focusing on the things that you can literally start doing tomorrow, which is why right. podcasting is so amazing and streaming. The only problem with that, the other side of that is. There's a lot, you know, fewer people in the I got the green light camp and are getting to do their thing and like maybe television or whatever. But everybody can do a podcast, right? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the example I always bring up is my buddy, John, who I was talking about earlier. was like a thing about starting a podcast for like for Star Trek. And I was just like, cool, cool. I was just like, how many Star Trek podcasts do you think <laughs> there are? I was like, I don't know. Right. You know, I forgot what number you gave it. It was absurdly low. And then I Googled it really quick. I was like, I just pulled up a uh, listicle that is literally the top 30 Star <laughs> Trek podcasts. So that's just <laughs> the top fucking 30 i'm sure there's right. like a thousand star trek podcasts so the 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 other thing is you know um rising above everything but i think a lot of people um don't know how to be consistent and don't know how to like give yeah. that blood sacrifice and do a lot of work for free for a really long time before you even get to like the payoff you know right so, people want instant gratification that, yeah. Yeah. for something like this it, you know it better than we do I, I know jack shit compared to you, but <laughs> like it just doesn't happen right away. Not like, at all. Yeah. And and it's like not only that, but what I think the biggest other biggest piece of advice, like just doing a podcast also probably won't cut it. But if right. you're doing all the stuff you're doing, including like, you know, you were saying you were in a band at one point, um, you know, but it's like, you know, if you have a band and a podcast yep. and you're uh live streaming. And you've, you know, you've got like, you've got all these different approaches and a fucking, you know, I mean, I know I have an ex who's like getting really big on TikTok. You know what I mean? She's like also Mm -hmm. a comedy actress struggling for the longest time trying to get, you know, get, uh, get through auditions and get, you know, cast and stuff and really struggling with that. And it's really cool to see that she just started fucking saying, fuck it. I'm just going to consistently put comedy content out on TikTok and it's seems to be working. I don't know what the next step is, but it's like what essentially happens is this person on TikTok, maybe they're not getting paid that way, but if they then start a podcast that pertains to whatever they're success- successful off of on TikTok, then that's going to feed into that and then that's going to feed the net, you know what I mean? Cuz I wouldn't exactly. Twitch wouldn't yeah. exist for me without Roundtable of Gentlemen. And right. Like Roundtable Gentlemen was the fucking side thing, hobby thing that I was just like, fuck, it is fun. I hang out bullshit with my friends while I'm trying to do my real thing, which is this sketch comedy group that I'm trying to get a TV show. And and again, even last podcast on the left, which is way more successful than anything I'm doing um, that my friends do uh, that for like. I mean, even Marcus, I mean, you know, he was trying to run, he was trying to start, I mean, and he was successful to start like a, a podcast network, like it would be a radio network. And now we're, we have last podcast network, but he was thinking mm-hmm. bigger picture. He also wasn't like, yep, last podcast left. That's going to be the gold mine. That's, That's going to be, no, it just became the runaway hit. They were just trying everything. And so I yeah. think that that is kind of the important thing is like, 
don't p- take the blinders off, learn how to pivot and just do everything and don't like diminish anything. Like right. round table in hindsight was just as important and obviously more important, probably the most important thing I did during those years. And it was literally the bottom of my like priority list. You know what right. I mean? In terms right. of, or the bottom of my prediction of what will actually help me list. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. That's, Dude, that's awesome. fucking gnarly. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's cool to see that because we've been, like I said, I've been doing this for three years now and I think Nick's been doing it for about two years and mm-hmm. it, it, it is, you do hit those moments. Like it, it definitely does kind of creep in where you're like, I've been doing this and not getting paid for it, but putting a mm-hmm. lot of time into it for a long time. And to just, you know, hearing that success story of it, right? Because it is that thing of we created this network with the idea of being able to create the content we love and have a job that is rewarding and that we actually enjoy. I mean, I I, I have my normal nine to five type job as well. And it, it is, it sucks the fucking life out of you, right? <laughs> yeah, let that but, fuel you too, though. Don't let it exactly. like keep you from, let that, and that's what kind of happened to me in 2016 was like, I was so I and I always say to people, don't get a day job you like. That's the worst thing if yep. you're trying to have like <laughs> if uh, get one you like if like you're cool with you know if that's what you want. You want to just like have a day job that you enjoy and like do the thing and you don't have like kind of any higher aspirations or any other aspirations of like I have a passion that is this that has nothing to do with my day job, right? <laughs> right. So as soon as you have a day job, you're like comfortable. The worst is like copywriter for a lot of writers, right? Mm-hmm. You're yep. kind of able to be a little creative, but it's still corporate dead-eyed shitty work. <laughs> yeah, But it's yep. just enough to kind of keep you there or even like um, like even like a BuzzFeed job or you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like just enough. Like the office is just cool enough. There's like just enough there to make you feel like to just keep you not desperate to break out of it. Whereas like real estate insurance, every hour I was there, all I thought about <laughs> was getting the fuck out of real estate insurance. And I hated it so much that like I almost think it's better if you have aspirations for something outside of it. Um uh, career wise to have like the fucking worst job ever. Uh, cause then it'll just, it'll propel you. And that's definitely what it did for me as opposed to kind of being just comfortable enough to be like, eh, I just kind of want to go home and hang out and not do a bunch. But the other thing too, is like do it for free and do it consistently. But if it sucks or if like, you know, it's not quality or you're not having fun anymore. Don't just like drag yourself through it either. Like do right, shit that right. fun yeah. that you like, that's like fulfilling to you at the very least. So it's not just all I do this for free and it's such a grind. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like so, it's a common trapping though. Sorry, buddy, but like no, you're with good. a lot you're of good. up and coming creators, like I said, with the instant gratification where it's like, this is what's big. Therefore I will do this. Oh shit. This is not catching on. What else is big? Uh-huh. This is big. Therefore I do this and people will have to love me. And it's like, yeah. dude, no, just have fucking fun, bro. Yeah. Like, I mean, the amount of times I, uh, the, the, the fucking meetings I had with like that slew of terrible, like we're a comedy video website kind of people <laughs> and <laughs> them kind of doing a lot of talk about like making things that are viral. And it's just like, that's not how it works. You can't just like sit in a lab and create viral shit. You know what right. I mean? Like that, it, it just, it sort of just happens and you have to ride that wave and like, you know, if, if, if it happens, but, but you can't force that. And I think a lot <laughs> of people spend a lot of time trying to outthink the audience 
And I think that's a huge mistake. Just like do what you like and what in, in what is your into, you know, this for me is like last podcast boys, they were into a lot of researching a lot of shit that I would like hate to have to research week in, week out. <laughs> yeah. Whereas absolutely. like I want to learn about, yeah, <laughs> I want to learn about, uh, you know, fucking Hunter Hunter and, and, uh, you know, the making of, you know, the Star Wars movies or whatever the fuck it is, you know, or like Spawn, my favorite comic book when I was a kid. I want to learn all about how that came to, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's fascinating to me. Also, I love The Wizard of the Bruiser because I spend hours every week, uh, usually f- f- uh, learning about how someone became incredibly successful. And yeah. uh, I think I usually involves so much out of that. Usually involves a cave behind their house. <laughs> In Japan, at least. In That's Japan. So fucking yeah. wild, man. I, the, the, the real thing, too, though, is um, the big one I learned for a lot of things is get a job at, like, a corporation where they're, like, like a, maybe, like, a big... If you want to be a game designer, get a job at, like, a big game dev company, right, where you're kind of a peon, and then just be able to, like, again, fly right under the radar and be like, I'm going to go off to the side and make this little thing this resident evil thing it's like don't worry about a capcom i don't need a big budget i'm just gonna kind of <laughs> like oh yeah yeah just go as long as you give your time and energy to our big triple a project yeah. over here you will let you like after hours work on this dumb little resident evil thing yeah. like i read i re- that was like so many stories like get get a mm-hmm. job at a place that has the funds and like does the thing you do and then just like after hours make your thing and then that's and, insane dude yeah that's a lot of them for sure so fucking crazy so to kind of focus in on on wizard and the bruiser a little bit i mean so uh, i i know how you and jake met but how how did the idea for this come up because so far you've talked a lot about you know comedy and the that stand-up side of it and then you know getting in with the last podcast guys but how exactly did you come about like doing you know this this podcast that focuses mainly on like nerdy shit right like the shit that yeah we yeah love like uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I met Jake doing stand up at, uh, and we would run into each other a lot at the Creek in the Cave. And like, I was just getting back into video games. So I was like carrying around my 3DS and we would just start talking about like video games and stuff. And he was like, I was desperate for anyone I could talk about video games with actually at that time. It was kind of funny. Like, I started doing this thing called PlayStation Network shoutouts on Roundtable of Gentlemen, which became this like staple where I'd read messages people sent me on PlayStation Network. <laughs> Literally started doing that because I didn't have any friends on PSN and I just wanted people to like play video games with. And like, I wanted, you know, I wanted to like, I was in this weird spot where like not a ton of my friends were like big gamers or whatever. I was just kind of, I dropped it for a while because I was like, no, I'm like cool now. I don't do, I listen to jazz and like (laughs) (laughs) chain smoke and do stand up comedy and, uh, or sketch comedy or whatever. And, uh, no. And then I was like, oh wait, no, like video games, like I love them and I want to play them all the time. And so, um, I started just kind of getting back into that. And therefore, whenever I saw Jake, Jake, let's talk, I was, you know, I'm playing this or whatever. And what do you, you know, what are you up to? And we just got along well. And again, we were at that crossroads round tables falling away. I was very vocal about how fucking desperate I was for like something new, something else to get out of my day job and whatever. And, uh, Jake nerd of mouth was just ending. And then again, it was Marcus just pushing the two of us together being like, you guys should do something. If you listen back those early episodes, Marcus, uh, um produced it yeah. and you know he was there as kind of a third voice but he was sort of in the background um because back then he was very hands-on on every single show in the network and then that not too long afterwards the bruiser started up and running he finally realized like oh actually last podcast left is like the like a fucking full-time 
you know, especially when they were started touring and stuff and everything last stream on the left. And like, there was just, it was like, no, this is your job. Like for the most part and, and helping, you know, keep the network up and running, but like, you can't be the producer on every, like you have to start getting other producers. Um, but in the beginning he was producing it and we didn't even, so if you go back to the first episode, it was, uh, we thought we would take more like, I guess like now we take a product or like, um, a show, a comic book character or, you know, something like that and, and tell the history of it. It's a lot more straight up. Our yep. first episode was about the relationship between Sonic and uh, Mario. <laughs> and it was the whole kind of, you know, Sega does what Nintendo don't like ad campaign uh -huh. and the kind of that era of like weird video game advertising and, and the, the battle between Nintendo and Sega. There was a little, so it was a little bit more of like amb ambiguity in terms of like what we even did in our episodes. Um, back then but uh i i just remember we did an episode and usually marcus um uh makes people record like several episodes of a podcast before he releases anything and those episodes are just like saved and put off to the side and never actually put out um it's, it's just a lot of test runs and he usually right. like he's pretty brutally he'll be pretty brutal about it like uh even no dogs they recorded like several versions of that first episode they put out before they actually put it out one of the coolest things was we finished that episode and he looked up he was like i think this is ready to go We're like what you don't That's need so us to sweet. do like <laughs> eight more of these right. you know and he was like no that was great like it just felt right immediately between the two of us and what we were doing but then we kind of honed in a little bit more on like um what we actually do with the show uh more than you know a little bit more specifically but besides that it was just kind of there from from the beginning uh in terms of like what our rapport was and stuff which is pretty magical because jake did you know was guested on some roundtable episodes but if you've ever listened to that show that's just like a fucking shit show of voices yeah. and a ton of people <laughs> so we didn't even know what kind of chemistry we had so it was kind of miraculous that he said that to us and that you know it sort of it started there we were immediately yeah started releasing episodes and i was doing re at that point too i was still in my day job so i'm doing my research at my day job uh mm -hmm. you know and uh, yeah sneaking it in during work well, hours yeah and stuff, which is again yeah. something something Never you gotta you know, yeah uh -uh. something you gotta <laughs> do a little bit which is great though you're getting you know getting technically getting paid to do <laughs> right <laughs> what you really care about <laughs> so when I reached out to you, I mean, I, I fanboyed hard as shit and went, you know, I was like, oh, you know, that into my gush, you know, because you guys have this structure where you start out with your your gush of of this topic and then you kind of go into it and into the weeds and, and, and really break it down from the beginning. How did you guys... I, settle on that formula? Because when I, when I reached out to you, I, I, I even said, I was like, you guys have really just mastered this genre of podcasting where... And from the beginning, it's not like, yeah, you've honed in a little bit more where it is one specific character or whatever it may be. But I mean, from the very beginning, you guys had a excellent structure for what makes it entertaining while, you know, keeping the comedy levels high and also being informative and like just this perfect formula. How did you guys settle on that? You know, I think, uh, again, it's like it's like the Karate Kid thing, right? Where you put in all this work that you don't know is going to amount to something later, right? Like, you don't know mm -hmm. that, like, Wax on Wax Off is, like, going to be applied <laughs> to, you know. So, A, 
I sat at my day job for fucking hours and hours listening to podcasts and, and, and then eventually watching Twitch streams. And that was a big giant distraction from the pain of being in an office for that many hours every single day around people you hate. Um, but actually that was me putting in work for the future, right? Like, you know, and, and what thing drives me nuts is when people, especially when pandemic hit and everybody wanted to have a live stream and stuff. And literally like people fucking laughed at me at first when I was doing Twitch and like, what the fuck is this? And yeah. definitely did not make me feel like I was on the right path or whatever. And then right. pandemic hits and literally all these fucking people are coming out of the woodwork, <laughs> hitting me up. How do I get a live stream going? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? All those same people too, that were like, I'm stand up. You can never take away. Stand- I love like listening to Rogan and stuff. And they were like talking like, you know, that's the beauty thing about stand up. No one can tell you to stop. No one can tell you not. It's like, yeah, dude, but then a fucking pandemic can rip through the <laughs> nation and then you literally cannot do it. So like you yeah. have to be able to pivot to different stuff. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of people were hitting me up about Twitch. And I'm just like, bro, fucking go on Twitch and just watch the shit and like yeah. get just for hours. That's what I did. I just was so bored of my job that I just had a Twitch stream up and I was just watching like Dr. Disrespect or whoever the fuck play video games and just saw what, how they were interacting with their audience and like doing little things that you don't necessarily think of up in the beginning, like saying a, a chat person's message out loud before responding to it. Because like, especially if someone's going to watch it in replay in the archive, like if you're just respond, you're, if you're just having a one-sided conversation, people don't know what, what you're talking about a lot of times. Right. Yeah. So like just little tricks like that. I was just subconsciously taking in and con- and consciously taking in before I did it. And uh, same with podcasts. I mean, I was just like, I listened to hours and hours of podcasts at my job. And I still do while I, when I video, when I'm playing video games, like uh, I almost said, when I video game, when I play video <laughs> games, I'm always like as if much as possible as a very story heavy video game. I have a, a second monitor with a podcast up with a, like a video mm-hmm. podcast up. So even now I'm still doing it. Um, right. So I think it's like a combination of that. And then all the hours we put in on roundtable on nerd of mouth on stuff on, on podcasting and stuff before that, the rapport between us specifically working out, that was kind of just kismet. Like that was just kind of like, thank God, because you're yeah. desperate and I'm desperate and we need to do something here. So thank God we have the rapport. And then the other thing, and again, it kind of sort of, I, th- I think it's just, a, but it is also the act of doing to figure it out. We kind of started to nail down our basic approach even separately without even talking about it at, for a little bit until we kind of were like, oh, this is kind of what I do and this is what you do. Like I get the formal structure stuff. I'm, I'm writing down dates. I have pages of notes where I'm like, the timeline and and every and very specific. Jake is a little bit more like freeform jazz with his research. He's got like a <laughs> bunch of tabs open. He's a lot better at like I have to take precise notes and like work off of kind yeah. of a script. Like Marcus writes a script, right? Like he right. takes notes, then from those notes he creates a script, and then like it's like he's on a script, and then Ben and Henry are doing their own research off the side, but they're coming in just kind of to like throw you know throwing shit in right and sort of like reacting to his script as if kind of like that um it's almost like murderville more recently but that improv game murderville's a show on netflix where they do this um where one person has a theater script like a script from a a scene of a play and then the other person just has to like try to you know riff on that and improvise (laughs) on that figure it out and and 
shenanigans ensue. It's kind of like the way I do a little bit. It's less of a script, even though I am reading a decent amount of it verbatim right off the page, um, while kind of also throwing in my extra two cents and stuff. Whereas Jake sort of has it all in his head, has all the references open, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm the one supplying like, especially like quotes, like I'm supplying like specific quotes people have said about the thing. Jake is like able um, to bring all this extra information that like I would not have gotten off in my notes that were just all these little rabbit holes that he goes down. So it just balances itself really well. But a lot of times you have a situation where like, um, one person does all the kind of uh, research and stuff and brings that in. And then the other person's like the color fully like the color commentary right. and just and i think that works really well too as long as they're funny enough and you know charming enough to like pull that off and not just so like come off as the ben, person who didn't do ben. any work yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah you didn't so. want to say it but nick said it <laughs> i said it Dude, yeah i mean yeah but that's ben true out. that's what ben does like awesome. henry kind of does some like henry does research but uh, more like jake and yeah. marcus does like the you know yeah. he's he yeah. brings the fucking book in you know and throws it at them right but if they all did that kind of research then it would not be good it would, it would be like right. a straightforward thing it, and it's like uh well and and somebody even came on um our page it was it was it was a comment on our patreon because i was talking a lot about elden ring and jake hasn't yes. played it at all and someone complained about that and was like i wish we you had someone come on who also played Elden Ring to be able to talk about it better. Sorry, Jake. But in my head, I'm like, I need Jake to mm-hmm. not have played it. I need the person there that I can yeah. explain it to. Yes. That can helps the me. questions, right? Yeah. 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 He's exactly. going to back me up and make sure that I'm, you know, if I'm not explaining it to him well, then the audience isn't getting it well. So it would probably be Absolutely. cool to have a third person who played it, but I still want right. Jake there who hasn't played it. Because I need that element to do to pull off the dynamic and get the information across. Yeah, no, well, that's well. That's you brought up Elden awesome. Ring. So, <laughs> what are you maining in Elden Ring? Uh, yeah, I did. So, I beat it last week. Um, so I want to start up like a magic run. New Game Plus is kind of a joke. I'm just fucking <laughs> in a three hour Twitch stream. I got through uh the cast. I got through God, you know, Margaret. Godric and the Academy and made it all the way to Radon and probably would have wiped Radon out if Fucking I had enough time, what? but I had to be done. Yeah, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Shit. I just skipped all the like side shit though. I just went straight <laughs> through the Yeah, I just went straight through the main bosses and then straight I didn't even go to Weeping Peninsula and just in a three hour stream I fucking was at the festival, you know, it gets and it even was even easier ridiculous. after that too. That first new game plus is supposed to be like a fifty percent increase in difficulty. Yeah. And then after that it's like five. Oh wow! Yeah, so (laughs) I kind of want to start a new game and do a full-on like mage or or, like magic or faith-based kind of and play with magic more. But I always do this with these games, and Marcus is the same. Like we we always play straight melee build like the first time around. So I did quality build. Um, uh, started as vagabond, even though starting class doesn't really matter that much. At the end of the day, it's just kind of like your basis. But yeah, did pretty even into strength and dex. and it was nice because I had I was wielding for a lot of the game. I had just a normal basic long sword that I upgraded all the way to, you know, took all the way to plus 25 and then uh, added a, a bleed sword art. And that's how I beat Radon pre nerf the first time mm-hmm. was with yeah. uh, bleed on my long sword, just going in there, just fucking going crazy. And then I did uh, blood rod arrows for the second phase when he was just like really volatile to get near. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and and managed to do it pretty handily that way. And I was proud to say I did a pre-nerf because, of course, they nerfed him to, uh, yeah. to shit. Apparently they, they they walked that back, there. which is cool. oh <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, dude, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I want to know your I want to know your builds in a second. I did, and then um, so I did, uh, but I was also wielding Godric's axe, uh, which was oh, like anytime yeah. anytime I was taking down something that was just maybe wasn't as susceptible to bleed, but I could break their poise, like maybe a giant dragon or something like um, Placidusucks. Whatever the fuck he, yeah, he does yeah, suck. Yeah. I hated that boss. <laughs> yeah, I, a beautiful looking boss, but he frustrated the shit. I mean, I used Godric's axe for that fight because I could break his poise with that. I could kind of get in there and get those hits in. Um, but I uh, eventually, I just actually went. And I was like, best weapons, Elden Ring. Like once I got to uh, <laughs> Millennia, Millennia, and yep, yeah, late yep. game. I was just like, give me the good shit. And I was having a great time with Bleed. So yeah, I had already had the Rivers of Blood katana in my inventory. I maxed <laughs> that you thing guys. out. <laughs> I maxed that thing out. And uh, just that L2 just fucking evaporated. Ev- like so many, th- including Melenia. I, I mean, it took me a handful of runs. But uh, and again, I also want to do a replay with no uh, no ashes summons, no summons of any kind. Because yeah, that yeah. Is totally. Once I had mimicked here maxed out with the fucking uh. rivers of blood katana, <laughs> and we're both L twoing that doing so that sword up. art on Melenia. I mean, it was just game of, like I I, 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 but I never, I didn't learn her, and I didn't learn a lot of the bigger bosses in the way that I would normally because yeah. of that uh, mimic yeah. tier. It just totally took all the like hours of, you know, really learning those uh, animations and timings. And that's kind of how I'm more used to play. I mean, I've beaten every uh, every one of them. I did. I platinum Sekiro. I got all the endings. I beat Bloodborne and Dark Souls 1 through 3. And more recently, that Demon Souls remake, finally, when I got a PS5. So I could finally go back and complete the, the circle. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I fucking have those games in my blood you know i just love them yeah. so oh, much yeah. but it was almost like a bummer like i would give no one sh- i can't believe people anyone gives people shit for using the like ashes or summons or whatever like oh it's not real but i will say i actually want to do a full replay and like actually learn the bosses and like yes. not just run in and just go ah just fucking get <laughs> hit like crazy and it didn't matter because my figure was high my life bar was big yeah. enough and you know, and we're just both just fucking going ha- me and other me just going. Ha- I mean, <laughs> literally having moments where like I'm healing and 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 other me just kills the fucking boss while I'm like Dude, trying yeah. to just. <laughs> I was like, it's all right, so well, this is fucked ridiculous. up. <laughs> so, it's dude, so about, awesome though, man. What, yeah, what about you guys? Uh, for the so build, this this is my first Souls game. I oh, hell yeah, I I tried. I think it was Dark Souls three very briefly, and I got very angry very quick, uh, <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. And I'm and so I, that one, yeah. yeah <laughs> so I, I I've I've been trying to introduce myself into this whole like uh, the 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 Souls born games, right? And um, this one has absolutely captured me. I was the same way. I ran a Claymore like all the way up till hell Melania, yeah. and. I Claymore in the uh, Weeping Peninsula Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. I, I sought I sought that out specifically because I was gonna potentially use that as well. Yeah. I, I just happened to stumble across it and I'm like, hey, this thing has good range and I can swing it somewhat yep. fast. So I ran I ran a sword or that claymore and then I ran a shield. Uh never used the shield. Uh <laughs> so I don't really know why I had it, but I had it. Uh, <laughs> and then I was just kind of playing through it, trying to figure out, you know, what the hell was going on. Um 
finally got up to fire giant area and got my rivers of blood and uh all of a sudden i ditched the shield and i went and sought out another katana as well so i'm running uh rivers of blood and uh what it meteor meteor something or another uh meteor something i know Moonvale's the other uh big one that i want to also introduce into my magic base build like in the next run just because it's a yeah you need intelligence points for for that yeah that's I got that nice. one as well, too. I, I haven't nice. used it yet, but I, I leveled both my katanas up. Um, still still working on Melania right now. That is, that is still my my sticking point where it's like all it takes is one good flurry and and you're you're back to full health. And you're like, damn it. Uh, also, I'm dead, yeah. but she's also a healed <laughs> kin. So yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Oh, it's so brutal. I mean, you literally just have to. I watched like a speedrunner kind of give a lot of tips on Melania uh, on a stream yeah. recently. Like you just have to run away from the first <laughs> two swipes and then dodge into her for the yeah. next one. And like, yeah, it's like a whole, that's what I love about those games. Like they, they kind of, they, they'll always figure out like what your impulse is and, and make you do the thing counter to, yeah. I remember I was so stuck on this dragon in the DLC of dark souls three, because you're just trained with giant bosses to get behind them <laughs> and yep. attack them. And, that for this one dragon it was like no we want you to stand right in front of this dragon's path <laughs> and hit the dragon right in the head which is like so counter so to what you're fucked. used to oh, yeah. <laughs> because actually when the dragon breathes fire down it goes like back as opposed to for like out <laughs> like you would think it would uh-huh. and so you're safer right in front of the dragon yeah. it was so cra- and it took me hours of i was <laughs> screaming at this fucking fight <laughs> then the second i was like what if i try this it just immediately completely yeah. worked out um, Half the time, it's just trying to fight your lizard brain, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, get yeah, it in your head where you're like, "This is what patience. I'm going to do. This is how it's worked in the past." And- Finding patience, getting and yep. not being greedy, and every time you want to get that one extra hit, it's just yeah, it'll always punish you. And I love that about that game. It just it really forces you to like step outside of the way you usually would play a video game. What about you? Yeah, so right now I'm well, I focused on Dex and strength. And yeah. vigor. So I'm trying to quality, go for like quality super build. quality. Yeah. I was going Ooga Booga Brain with uh-huh. a great sword from uh-huh. uh, that, like Guts's great sword, right? Yeah, so I was yeah, just yeah, total yeah. smooth. And I was like, I go in, I attack, I kill. No, I'm just, dude, <laughs> I wasn't thinking because I played all the other Souls like well, games, Souls Born games. A lot of bosses that'll totally, it's just the one. And that's what I like about the quality thing is like, you know, you just having that other option, that speedy, yes. quick option, you know, when you need like it just it, being able to switch between the two always which helps. brings in the katanas. Yeah. That I finally seek I went to seek out with Brody's help and I was like, dude, this isn't working. I can't do shit anymore. Um I am now stuck on Melania. And I had a Roid Rage moment the other day where I just <laughs> had like my my hands felt like they were digging into themselves. <laughs> it was like try like 45 and I was like I just have to go outside. Yeah. And I had to walk away. But I finally got um Moonvale and uh, that meteor blade I and I have just been too. I've just been like eviscerating everything and it's been beautiful. But I want to now like you were saying go back again and relearn these boss fights. Yeah. Because right. with Mimic Tear my Mimic Tear is so leveled up. Those blades are so strong and I'm just like I, I'm I'm melting everything, and it's still fun because when it dies, I'm like, "Yeah, motherfucker, yeah!" And then yeah. I walk away from my computer, and I dance really quick, and I come back, I'm like, 
that didn't feel like a Souls game. Yeah, though, that was like a, I just right. evaporated because I have two of me and they're so distracted. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I will also say before I actually took down Melania, I got really nerdy with this one. I uh, went on the wiki, the the Elden Ring, like all the Souls, the main wiki is like so useful and so yep. organized, oh, well yeah. put together. And they have a whole list by uh, by area of the game of every single boss, like every every single thing that you might fight that has a giant life bar appearing at the bottom like they have a full Mm -hmm. comprehensive list of every single one in the game all like uh, there's some between like 80 or 100 of them i went through and tracked down every one that i missed in every single like section of the game and beat them all and then went back to so i was like also like pretty over leveled i think when i went (laughs) back to millennia it was still challenging by the way uh, yeah. to beat with just, you know, le- way less than, yeah, I, I didn't do it 40, 40 attempts, but like, oh, dude. it was more like 10, but still like I, it's, you know, that was also kind of what changed things, but very fun because I feel like I literally saw almost every single thing you can see in the game, like yep. location wise and stuff is if pretty much everything that's interesting in the game ends with some type of boss fight. So, right. Yeah, I got to really check out every nook and cranny of that whole world by doing that, which is fun. So now I want to go back, try some other builds, and do some of the side uh, side quest stuff, like NPC quests that I missed. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Other thing. So I still, so after oh, well over 100 hours, I haven't seen everything, which is fucking crazy. So it's Yeah, same insane. here. And I, I didn't... See, I wanted that river's rivers of blood sword so bad i'm like brody where do i go like the I need to get the giants sword. there's uh npc like a, I, uh, uh, I, I, I biffed it dude i beat the boss prior to getting it oh, and it's one of those you beat where, the, uh, the giant yeah uh, yeah if you beat the giant flame giant then it goes gone away. forever that's gone forever man well there's always doing good place that sucks yeah it's yeah. a fun ass <laughs> That's a fun sword, but you know what? It kind of it 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 makes the game ridiculous. So it's oh, yes, just, <laughs> it's insane. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, after I, I got that, I didn't level up very many more times, and then I went back to some areas I was kind of having trouble with, and just powered through it yeah. like it completely changes it for sure yeah. um so i i, I don't want to keep you too much longer uh i i know you're a busy guy and i, I kind of gave you you know a time frame on this but i do have a couple just a couple gaming questions while we're here because sure. again we're both gaming shows so yes. um uh, you talked about final fantasy 7 earlier you've talked about you know the 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 bloodborne or not bloodborne specifically but soulsborne games in general uh-huh. what ranks as your favorite game of all time well i always say my favorite game from my childhood was final fantasy 7 my favorite game in modern times um it may elden ring may be changing this but i always said that that first dark souls i think your first souls game in general i like i think that bloodborne and and maybe even Sekiro is like technically like is a better game but in terms Mm -hmm. of personal favorite like the experience i had playing through that first dark souls game um was just completely changed the way i like approached gaming like in a way in a at a point when i would never have thought that that would happen at an age in my life you know i had gotten back into video games i i bought a xbox 360 at the very end of its cycle from a buddy who got it for free so i paid like 25 bucks for it or something like that and um which was awesome is then i went and got like the mass effect trilogy for 20 bucks at the GameStop. you know what i mean and so i'm just like getting just a ridiculous amount of hours of like amazing video game uh, for very little money because, you know, I think the, the new, uh, uh, you know, all the new consoles were coming out and um, 
with Dark Souls, my, my friends, I was living with my buddy, Kep, and uh, my other friend, Kellen, was uh, hanging out a lot. And as a joke, they went out and picked up Dark Souls as like, a, we're going to pass the controller around and get murdered a lot and like laugh about it and just like make fun of each other and stuff. And it was just this kind of like never actually thinking we'd actually beat it much less become obsessed you know and right i had started a run on that and got all the way to ornstein and smo but one of the things of those games like you do have to pay attention to what you're putting points into and you know i was kind of doing like a melee mage mix and not really understanding how that would work and then also uh elden ring is the cushy life you can fast travel in mm-hmm. uh dark souls you cannot fast travel until you beat ornstein and smell <laughs> and right. uh even then you can only fast travel to certain bonfires and like so by the time you get to ornstein and smell for me i was so under leveled for the area and i had fucked up like so much in terms of just everything uh i in terms of the weapons and everything in order for me to like go all the way back to like where I could maybe grind out some levels and stuff would have been this insane undertaking and would just be so too much. And I just put the game down. I was just like, ah, I kind of fucked up. I hit a dead end here. And then when I got that Xbox, I went out and got dark souls and was a lot more, I kind of based my build off of uh, my friend, McKeppen Kellen had since beaten the game and, and I based it off of, you know, their advice, which they got the Zwei hander. They went like full Ooga Booga yeah. as well. And um, totally like, I remember I was smoking cigarettes at the time. I've since quit, but I remember <laughs> I, I was alone in the apartment. It was like a Saturday, like Lexi was gone. Uh, I think she might've even been out of town. And I was like, just banging my head against Sorensen and Simone. It was such a, a huge deal for me to beat it because I <laughs> failed that first time around. And I was just having so much struggle trying to beat it. I remember like oh. going downstairs and going outside and like just pacing around in front of my apartment building, like smoking cigarettes. And then I like went back up and sat down and after another hour or something, I beat it. And that feeling I got from beating oh, that yeah. boss was like nothing like any other video game experience I'd ever had. I felt incredible. And just like, I was obsessed. Like, I would play the shit out of it every night and then I'd and then in bed I'd be looking up like yep. you know the next area that I was about to have to endure and the next boss I was going to fight and tips and everything and you know I was just I was thinking about it when I wasn't playing it and I was I just hadn't had anything like that since maybe FF7 you know back in the day as a kid yeah. or Metal Gear Solid you know or whatever and it just really brought back this like childlike excitement and wonder so yeah that's why i always say that that first dark souls game even though i would say there are better games in the series i think it's always your first one that really clicks with you and changes your whole perception approach to video games that like will always be you know have that special place uh i'm for sure. so excited to go back and play yeah. all of them now please I, i've Bloodborne, got that man. bug now yeah, yeah, Bloodborne's yeah, first dude. on my list. Bloodborne's so cool. I mean, I love them all, honestly. I even love Dark Souls too. But, but, uh, yeah, I think I think Bloodborne is so just the the Lovecraftian shit and the yeah. Yeah. I love the rabbit hole that you go down with those games. Like in the sense, like you start out in like a town or a village or a big kingdom, and then like you end up in the fucking bowels of hell. <laughs> hell, like, yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man. They, yeah. They do a. They do a great job. They craft these beautiful worlds. I mean, uh, the Bloodborne stuff. I, I. I'm especially interested in that, just from that Lovecraftian yeah, aspect of it. It's a very interesting world, despite you know the creator, obviously. But uh, the, that that kind of that kind of world that they uh-huh. based it off of is so cool. And then yeah. I definitely want to try out like Demon Souls. I, I'm basically just going to work my way back through yeah. all of them, and I can't. You should. Wait. I have a it's long awesome. journey ahead of me, and I'm so excited. It's okay. You can play uh, the first one on Switch. 
Marcus was playing it on the airplane. Uh, he was oh, telling me about sweet. it, you know, and I was like, that's, I should probably do that. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good, <laughs> good time. I'm so hyped about how much people love Elden Ring and how many new people yeah. it's brought because it just, it just literally means that it's going to inspire so many games to, to follow its lead and, and from software is going nowhere. And I just am so happy love about it. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so stoked, dude. I remember <laughs> Dark Souls one, I was living not the first Dark Souls, but like finally getting my hands on it in my own apartment and i back then when i was a smoker as well i i was dirt, i was dirt ball life so i was smoking <laughs> while i was gaming right, right. dude well, I, I remember like one session i was like smoking 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 and i was like dude i can't i was like well, i can't fucking do it i looked down I'm like one more cigarette and i go i'm like dude in an hour i did a pack like a pack and i was like <laughs> i was like shit. i am going outside i'm done like i don't have like aggression issues but like when i'm playing these games it's yeah, like something sure. in my brain i'm just like I need to, I need to beat it. Yeah. And that's what like Elden Ring is so beautiful because it's like, look at all of this. It's, it's, it's almost like akin to like that Skyrim moment that we all had when Skyrim first came out. Mm-hmm. Do you see that over there? Go there. Yeah. You get stuck there, leave there, go something. That's like, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so beautiful. And hearing everyone's stories like yes. yours and Brody's and oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. Yes. Especially now, once you get into it too, when every new one comes out, there's so much fun to be had. Just, so many text chains. Like I have this beloved text chain I have between Marcus and Kevin Barnett of the three of us playing Dark Souls three, and like it, it just you know the whole chain is just us screaming about every boss and everything. It was so funny and uh, so much fun, and yeah, I just I just love that about it. That's awesome. So I, obviously, we talked about Elden Ring. Uh, do you have any other games that? are like something uh, that you come back to pretty consistently, especially a game that you really enjoy to stream or something of that nature. Oh yeah. Uh, my big one is probably the biggest one, street fighter five and, um, you know, continuing on, I'm sure with, uh, then I, I'm hoping to go to Evo this year. Uh, I, you know, street fighter five was the first one I've always like loved street fighter and, and fighting games and stuff, but that was the first one I actually sat down and, got really into like the competitive side of it and train, you know, training up and like getting better. And, and I ranked up to, um, I think I'm up to super silver, which is not even that crazy, but like, was such a feat for me because it involved learning and getting really consistent with like all the kind of the, the basics and the ins and outs. I mean, I was maining uh, Kuma, but now I main Ryu, which is kind of who I always main back in the day, mm-hmm. but actually learning, like as opposed to just kind of sitting down with friends and just kind of, going over and over again not really like getting better like this is the first one where i like actually were like watching youtube tutorials and like learning you know getting consistent with anti-airs and like learning how to be better than the basic you know level of of player (laughs) right like how to at least like if i'm at a party and no one there is as into it as me like i'll just fucking destroy you because you know i know all the little (laughs) mechanics i just know the basics Uh um and then in terms of like more recent like hades has been a really good one to come back to it's such a fun one to to be able to and i think you know i i like to think like uh, such a big part of its success was we were all in pandemic and we were all also trying to just leave our home every day and waking up every day and having the same <laughs> day every day and just it like resonated for sure yeah i think that it subconsciously w- was a huge hit not just because it's an amazing game but because i think we all were kind of doing that and connected with that <laughs> feeling of like yeah. all right like every day was groundhog day during that time essentially you know <laughs> and that's kind of kind of hades for you but yeah that's a great one in terms of just like oh i just want to live in yeah. this go back to this and definitely you know i've beaten ff7 like a million times i love that we have the remake as well now and that's also a world 
I absolutely love to, to continue to revisit. But I'm definitely a, uh, the type of consumer that like, you know, there was Overwatch and stuff like that. And there's always Street Fighter Five, but that's like a rarity. Yeah. I'm usually just trying to check out the next new right. thing. So right now, yeah, Horizon Forbidden West and Kirby. And I really want to play Tunic. Um, yeah, but I'm also trying to take a break because of how <laughs> much Elden Ring consumed my life and like <laughs> do some other creative endeavors, but it's a good year for games, man. They all got held oh, back yeah. till yep. this year. So a lot of shit's Absolutely. coming out. Oh, so yeah. I have one final question and we have to ask it because it comes from one of our guys within spawn camp. He's part of the, the build bros podcast. He, which is all like Gundam and Gunpla and anime stuff. So he wanted to know what your favorite if you had some favorite moments from a round table of gentlemen after this question, I promise I will let you go. <laughs> yeah, we're no, no, all good. I think, you know, obviously the who shit in the tub saga was so much fun. And the trial we did live at the Creek in the cave, like all those live shows were so fun. I think for me, um, you know, again, talk about like just kind of falling backwards and stuff or just doing stuff until I made a joke on Facebook. Um, at one point I said, hold Nader's ho, uh, ho. That's like what I call my fans now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that turned into, a thing and like I think I think the first time like and shout out to Andrew Parker uh who's awesome who's out here doing stuff too um he was one of the first people he like created a fan page for me on Facebook and like that moment really stands out of like kind of thinking no one cared and no one was listening and um or if anything like I was the annoying one and and to like have people um step out and be like no 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 like like I think you're fucking hilarious on this show and and uh you know that definitely and then and then just like the wide array of um different talents we've had come through there and you know Michael Che and uh uh fuck I don't know Mike Racine Dan St. Germain um Annie Letterman uh just all these people and what and now watching them all just kind of become you know Mark Norman watching all those people like just become a big success and having gotten to uh be with them in their shitty formative years you know it's like i feel like that <laughs> that that girlfriend or boyfriend that was like the one that really fucking matters because they were with you in that those awful times you know <laughs> yeah. when you were just sucked and stunk and were poor so yeah i don't know i just remember a lot of being hung over and uh you know but if i could make every that room laugh i mean nothing felt better you know i mean it was just the best yeah. feeling in the world because you know, I got to, I got to be in a lot of situations where I made a lot of people that I respected and um, that I really like uh, just thought were incredible uh, talents uh, laugh really hard and like that that was like such a cool feeling for sure. It's yeah. fucking awesome, dude. That's awesome. So uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. Yeah, I, I yeah, really can't. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I could talk to you for hours. I'm sure Nick <laughs> is in the same boat. Like I, oh, we yeah. had this like page and a half full of questions <laughs> and stuff, and I'm not at all upset that we didn't get to them. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. was just a great conversation, and uh, we we greatly greatly appreciate it. Um, Hell yeah! And thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun, man, for sure. Yeah. Um, so where can the, the, the fine people find you at? Please. Yeah. Uh, Wizard of the Bruiser, page seven um, on anywhere you can find podcasts. Check me out there. Check out my band, The Cowman, uh, uh, on Spotify. Uh, check out and uh, especially at yeah, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. I stream Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Again, that's twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Hell yeah. yeah. Nick, where can find people find you, even though they're already within this umbrella? Yes, everybody, if you are interested in hearing my show, I am on WASD and Beyond. We are a just straight-up video game podcast with every so often uh, 
just movies and anime or TV shows we'll do episodes on, but mainly video games. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beyond WASD because we cannot get WASD Beyond for some reason. So <laughs> ass backwards. So again, uh, check us out there. Uh, if you're finding this through YouTube, you can find my podcast, Diggity Podcast, over at Diggity Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We go live every Thursday at 9.30 p.m. and the audio comes out nice and early on Fridays at 5 a.m. Uh, but with that, again, thank you, Holden, and uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, yeah. Take care.